Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. Well, we're in our last day, our last week of Abide. Seems like forever, but it's been so good. I've learned so much, especially in our small group, our life groups as well. And you know, the theme, the vision that we have is that we'd be more than faithful, we must be fruitful. You know, it's good to be faithful. It's not either or. We're not downplaying faithfulness. Faithfulness is important. We can't be fruitful Unless we're first faithful. We can, but you know, we can be faithful, but we need to be more than that. We can be faithful in giving a tithe to the church, but fruitful would ask us this. How can I go beyond what is required and be generous? That's being fruitful. Uh, we can be faithful in attending church regularly. Being faithful would say, well, what I want to ask this question, not, what, and, and not only am I faithful in my attendance, how can I go beyond being just an attender to where I become a servant and minister of the church? That's being fruitful. How can I use my spiritual gifts God has given me to equip, to equip me to love and to better the lives of others? Fruitful asks the question, how can I build up one another? How can I encourage other people? How can I love one another? How can I help them? We can make the mistake of allowing our faithfulness to be the ceiling of our spiritual walk. That is, that is the highest level. That's the most we're going to do. That's all we're willing to do. But really, faithfulness is the floor. It is where we begin. And from there, we grow to be Fruitful out of our faithfulness. So faithfulness is not just the ceiling, it's the floor, it's where we begin. This is, this is Jesus starts, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. And we would say, Lord, I'm faithful in this. I am faithful, I love others. But then Jesus continues to tell us how we can be more than faithful, what it would look like in our life if we were to be fruitful in this area, to make it practical, what we believe in theory and are faithful to. And he goes on to say, yes, you are faithful, but consider how you might be fruitful in the area of love. It looks like this, Jesus says. The next very line says, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Wow. And there's a difference, isn't there, in between saying, I love you, and then being prepared to lay down my life for my friend. So to help us move from being faithful to being fruitful and loving others, we're going to finish this Abide series by talking about how we can be front porch Christians. And the whole message today is a result of one line that Glenda made on the couch one night when we were watching TV. One comment she made. We were watching a television commercial, uh, it was, and she made a comment about it. It was about people in a grocery store not enjoying the experience. They take a can out, and they all fall down. There's a spill in aisle three, and they slip. And the commercial is wanting to convince you to order your groceries online from this company, and they would deliver them to your home. You never have to leave home to do your grocery shopping. I actually liked leaving home to doing grocery shopping. In fact, my last, where we lived up in Blythe, we were about, what, a half hour from the, the big grocery store, so it was a night out. <laughs> it was a date. 
We gathered in the car. We drove into town, and we went around the store, and it's a small town, so you know somebody and visit. And I don't understand why people don't like the grocery shop. But for us, it was a night out together. But Glenda made the comment. I gotta find myself got excited there. Pete, well, I'm gonna say this first. I think I'll back it up this way. You, you notice there's a trend for us to do more and live more of our life from home behind the computer than out into the world. Do you notice that? I was at Wendy's last night. We were visiting our, our daughter and um, her son and our little grandson coming home from another place. And, and Wendy's was eating supper. And all these skip the dishes guys come in. You notice that? People are at home saying, I don't want to go to Wendy's. You bring it to me. And I've seen that in restaurant after restaurant, um, that taking place, that happening. Uh, you, you might have noticed, and I, and I do this, shopping on Amazon. Instead of going around the mall and finding a park spot and walking around, engaging people, I just sit at home and go, okay, Glenn, you're getting that. Dave, you're getting that. <laughs> Eduardo, you're getting that. <laughs> but even doing church from home, instead of engaging with people, worshiping with people, um, we just sit at home and watch a television set or a computer we were reading a comment this week. What was it? Like, some people want to be followed the invisible church. They don't, want, they don't want to be part of the body. And so they just have a visible church on TV or on computer. And the author said, what happens when you're sick? Do you want an invisible pastor to visit you? Like, that would work. But even groceries. And Glenda said this comment. She said, people isolate themselves from people because they want to be insulated from people. And I just thought about that. Kept thinking about that. People isolate themselves from people because they want to be insulated from people. And there's this growing trend for a number of years in our culture where we seem to move more and more away to isolate ourselves from others, to insulate ourselves from others, and the work which comes from connecting with people. And this very fact has even influenced, believe it or not, the architecture of our homes, of our houses. I can show you, I'm going to show you this morning with pictures in my, from, my own, from my own experience what I'm talking about. So before we moved here, this was our house in Blythe, Ontario. It was built in the late 1800s. And homes in those days had big front porches. The front porch was a place you would sit down and you'd gauge neighbors as they walked by on the sidewalk. And they would invite neighbors to come up and join them on the porch for some iced tea and some conversation. I spent a lot of times on that front porch reading my Bible, drinking iced tea and talking to people walking by in the community. The only part I didn't like was the winter. I kid you not. I had to throw this in. That's my side. I'm trying to... Shoving out the sidewalk to get to the people to come up to my front porch it was not fun. We were, on, we were in a snow belt area up there. The house we lived in before this was totally different. In fact, one reason I bought a house with a porch is because our house in the Vancouver area where we lived had no porch. Newer houses in cities don't put porches 
out in front of their homes. What they do come with is this. You know what that is? Garage door opener. Because you drive up the street, you press that, the garage door opens up, you go right in without getting out of your car, you press it behind you, the door shuts, you get out of your car and walk right into your house. We could not get to know people in our neighborhood. It wasn't until after about the seventh year that we're out cutting some ivy that we got to even know our neighbors. If you want to hang outside, they moved the front porch in our houses to the back deck with privacy fences around us. And the only people you have to engage are those who you invite over. And so our house, we had a packed deck where we hung out. And unless you were invited, you wouldn't be hanging out in there. Why? Largely because we want to be isolated from people because we want to be insulated from people. Now notice this. This is why I want to show you these pictures. If you notice on our house in Blythe, there was a large portrait that covered the whole front of the house. You can see the coloring of the brick is different. Back in the day, the whole front was a porch. Back in the day, that was a huge place. And someone somewhere, sometime, decided we're going to shrink that because it's not as important as it used to be. And they built a screen porch in the back. It just shows me the changes that reflect our houses, but reflect how we engage or want to engage people in our life. Isolating ourselves from others is not a good thing. There is an ongoing Harvard study considered to be one of the world's longest studies of adult life, so I think it gives it some credit. Started back in 1938. And over the past 79, 80 some years, the researchers tracked 724 men, following up with each, on, each of them on an annual basis about their work life, their home life, and their health. And two years ago, Robert Waldinger, a psychiatrist and professor at Harvard Medical School, told us what they've learned. He said this in your notes. The first lesson you can take is that social connections are really good for us and that loneliness kills. It turns out that people who are more socially connected to family and friends, to community, are happier, they are physically healthier, and they live longer than those who are less connected. In his book, Bowling Alone, The Collapse of the Revival American Community, Robert Putman says, if you belong to no groups, but decide to join one like a life group, you cut your risk of dying over the next year in half. That should get you signing up. (laughs) Pastor Andy Stanley writes, the front porch existed as a zone between the public and private, an area that could be shared between the sanctity of the home and the community outside. But our homes are taking those away because it reflects that we don't want to engage as we used to. Well, people always love making making money. We don't want to open up. We make ourselves. We don't want to make ourselves available. We don't want to share life and be vulnerable. In fact, you know, it's interesting. I was just came back. I was speaking at. um, 
a couple of days at a church a few hours away from here. Doing, they asked me to come and do a church renewal course for them on Set Free, which is exciting. We're doing Hearing God this weekend. The next one is called Set Free, and lives are changed at Set Free's. Uh, it is amazing. But as all church renewal courses, there's teaching, but there's the practical part. Let's not just learn this up here. Let's put it into practice. And there was a man there, I'd say in his 70s, who didn't want to come. His wife told us he doesn't want to come. And he sat there in the teaching part, and I spoke for a couple of hours. And then it comes to this, this part where you, you divide up into groups of three, men on one side and groups of three of women on the other. And he didn't want to do it. He went and he sat down with two other men because you've got to begin sharing out of your life. You've got to be vulnerable as much as you would like to be. You're not forced to. And share and confess. And the pastor of the church walked by and heard him say, I don't want to be here, I'm leaving. Because he didn't want to be, like a lot of us men, you know, putting up a wall. And so the pastor put his hand on his shoulder and said, just give it a try. That was Friday night. Yesterday afternoon, I'm watching this, this guy. He is engaged. He is lifting his hand. He's laughing and smiling because he was willing to open up and found there was freedom in opening up and engaging with others. I want to read with, for you a real-life example that took place in a middle-class neighborhood in Worcester, Massachusetts, not that long ago. Adele Gabori. Neighbors knew who she was, and you might say they took good care of her. When her lawn was, when her, her lawn was hip high, they paid a, a local boy to mow it down. When her pipes froze and broke, they, they contacted the water company to have the water shut off. When the mail had spilled out the door, they called the police to clean it up. Her car, full of trash, was towed at one point as a fire hazard. The only thing they didn't do was to see how she was doing with all of this going on in her life. They reported later that they had not seen her in quite a while, so they didn't know if she was even alive. Well, she wasn't. Police discovered this when they climbed the crumpled stoop to her little house and forced their way in. There were the 73-year-old skeleton remains and a five-foot-high pile of trash, which had been apparently there, been there for four years. How could this happen? Neighbor Aileen Dugan said, I'm as much to blame as anyone. She was alone and needed someone to talk to, but I was working two jobs, and I was sick of her coming over all hours. Eventually, I stopped answering the door. And the question I would ask you is, who answers the door when you knock? Or for whom do you answer the door when they knock? Who is your community? Who is your neighbor that you engage? And of course, we're leading up to this question that someone asked this of Jesus. In Luke 10, uh, there's that parable of, of the Good Samaritan. And Jesus spoke in parables because people couldn't record what he said digitally and then take it back and then play it again. So Jesus spoke in parables because we, there were simple stories but powerful that we could remember and retell. So if I ask you to retell the story of the parable of the prodigal son, you could do that with opening your Bibles because it's a story, you know the principles, and you know what they say. That's why he spoke in parables. So in this parable in Luke 10... It says in verse 25, let me start there. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, 
What should I do to inherit eternal life? And that's a great question to ask. We are all interested in that question. This, this whole parable began because a man wanted to know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? How can I be part of the hereafter with you? And Jesus answers this question about life hereafter by focusing on here and now. So Jesus tells this story. If you want to know what's going to happen, how to enjoy here and after, let me tell you what you need to know here and now. I'm going to start at verse uh, 29. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Because Jesus said, you got to love your neighbor. you got to engage. you got to be a front porch Christian. Christian. And so he says, who is my neighbor then? So Jesus tells a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man was lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan, because the Jews did not like Samaritans, came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him, going over to him. The Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling them, take care of this man. If his bills run higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Jesus asked, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. There are two very simple but powerful principles I just want to lift out of that story today. Um, Number one, the Samaritan had to get off his donkey to minister to the person in need. It's just very common sense. The Samaritan was going to make it, if he was going to make a difference in this man's life, this wounded man's life, he had to get off his donkey. He had to personally engage the person. He had to be a front porch Christian, not a back deck religious man. And Jesus tells the story because he knows this is where we struggle. It's much easier and more convenient to be like the other two religious guys and keep going. And just go by the need and our pathway. And the second principle, very simple but important, Jesus said, okay, now go and do the same. Stop, get off, and do something. He didn't say, Jesus didn't say, now go and theoretically agree with my teaching. That'd be easy. You notice, Jesus did not say, now go and debate what you think other Christians should do in this situation. We like that. That'd be fun. What he does say is, now go and do the same. That's how lives are impacted. Jesus said, be a front porch Christian. Engage people. Get off the donkey Engage. Um, I was telling our staff once about a seminary professor who came to his students and said, tomorrow morning, 
there will be a test, a big test on this passage of the Good Samaritan. And so the students rushed home and they began to get the passage out that we just read and began reading it and learning it and understanding it. They went to Bible commentaries, knew what all it said about the passage. Some looked at it in Greek. Some even memorized the passage. The next day, all the students rushed to the classroom for their test, sat down on their desk, ready to, to share all that they studied all night. The professor came and stood as I stood before, stand before you. He looked over his class of seminary students, men and women preparing for ministry, and this is what he said, all of you failed the test. All of you are getting a failing grade. And the students are confused. What do you mean? You haven't even handed out the paper. We haven't written anything. How can we fail? The professor told him he had strategically placed fellow students who are in obvious need experiencing obvious trauma, trauma and anguish out in the parking lots where they parked their car. And he, he strategically placed students who were obviously having trouble and, and exhibited obvious signs of being uh, in need of help in the hallways that they would walk down to get to this classroom. And he said, did you see them? And the students said, yes, we did. We couldn't miss them. Then the professor asked his class, did any of you stop and help them? No then you failed the test. You failed to understand what Jesus was really getting at here. It's not just theory. It's not just debate. It's putting into action. And you failed. I grew up in the um, Church of the Nazarene. And our seminary is in Kansas City, and there's a seminary professor there by the name of Dr. Kenneth Greider. He writes on Wesleyan churches and holiness. And what he would do from time to time, he'd go visit a city where one of his former students uh, were preaching now, graduated and were pastoring. And he'd wait a couple days and grow a beard, rough, gruffy beard. He would put on cheap aftershave to smell like alcohol and dress very much like someone who didn't have a home living on the street. And he'd go to the church and sit in the back pew, in the back row, and see how people would engage him. A man not looking, inviting, not smelling inviting. And he sat there. And then he re- when he left, he report back to the pastor, his former student, how he was received. Sometimes it was really good. Sometimes it was very eye-opening. Because he too, I was told, was saved off the street one day. And that mattered to him. I love this story. Um, out when I pastored out west, I had a friend who pastored a church. And one day, all the congregation showed up to the church and doors were locked. And they're confused. We can't get in. And the pastor stood out in front of the congregation and, and they're confused. And he spoke up and said, today... We're going to put into practice some of the principles we've been learning here at church. So we took our mission budget, our compassion budget, and we're giving you each of you $20 today. Instead of coming in and learning and worshiping today, we're going to go out and worship and practice. We're asking you to take the $20 and help someone better their life today in some way, somehow. Be inventive. Be creative. And then come back next Sunday and tell us how, you, how that happened. And next Sunday they came back and told stories of how they not just sat in church that day, but went out into the streets to help impact the lives of others. And I think that's amazing. 
Because being a Christian isn't just believing in Jesus and what he says. Being a Christian is following Jesus. It is walking where Jesus would walk and doing what he would do. And he not only physically but spiritually engages people in their needs. And Jesus ministered to people both those ways. He loves them. And I know Jesus does not just want us to always sit and agree with what he says and say, that's great. He wants us then to follow. And I know that because of the verse Dave read for us earlier. He said to the crowd, as he says to us, if any of you wants to be my follower, then this is what you got to do. You must give up your own way, take your cross daily, and follow me. And he'll lead you along paths where there are people emotionally and spiritually and physically wounded. I want to close with this thought because it helps me. I sometimes need um, some thinking, logical thinking that helps me put something into practice and and understand what it is I'm trying to say, uh, what the word is trying to say to me. So this helps me. How many of you have children or grandchildren that you love? Good, good. (laughs) I want you to picture one of those ones you love in your mind for a moment. And I want you to answer this question. I want you to do it. If that loved one, that child, that grandchild were alone somewhere and they're in great trouble, crying, wounded, distraught, in need of help, far from home, who would you want and hope would be the one to come upon them in need? The religious priest who crossed over on the other side, he's got answers. He's got the theory. He knows this Bible. Or the temple assistant who'd walk over and look at them lying there and say, I gotta go, I gotta get somewhere. Or the good Samaritan who had compassion, who would get off his donkey and engage them and help them. You know the answer. I know you know the answer. Now hear these words of Jesus again. Now go and do the same. I just want us to close our eyes just for a moment before we end today. I just want to rush from that. I just want you to take a moment to hear from God and what you've heard him say to you today. Maybe you want to even pray God to give you opportunity and, and to put you on the path where you'll encounter someone who may be spiritually lost or emotionally drained or physically hurt. To give you the boldness, because it takes boldness, to get off the donkey, to engage that person. Lord, that you would help us be front porch Christians, willing to put our life out where people are instead of hiding in the back of our homes. It's not about just believing what we say here today in this room. It's about following you out there and being your hands and feet in a way that will love and impact the lives of others, God. I know this is a struggle for us. I'm speaking from experience. You know me. But God, I want to make a difference in your name. I want others to know that you love them as you love me. I want, Lord, sometimes that it's not the rush that takes over but the love to engage people, God. That would not feel like I have to get somewhere, 
But God, you put me where you put me in front of people in need. Lord, just give us a moment. Speak to us about how that would look for us this week. Does anyone come to mind who we've been meaning to see, meaning to visit, that we know needs to be heard, needs to be fed, needs to be comforted? Lord, we will go as you ask. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at the gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.